0: Thank you. Let's all turn our Bibles to first book, Genesis. Genesis chapter one. And let's go to Genesis chapter one and verse 11 and 12. Genesis chapter one, that's verse 11 and 12. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself and after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, little moment that you've given me to uh, speak what you've uh, put in your word. I pray, Father, that uh, it would would speak to the right heart and that uh, even all the hearts that are here today, every person here, that uh, you would speak to them in a personal way uh, through this message. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me and that uh, you would use me as your mouthpiece. And Lord, I pray now that uh, you would give us all a blessing. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Life was given from God, and that's exactly what this account is. It's called the creation account, right? And what we see is that God brought life out of entropy or chaos. How Genesis chapter 1 puts it is there was a void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God put an order to it. And that order, out of that order, he brought life. There was nothing, and then there was something. We call this ex nihilo. That's in Latin to say, out of nothing, right? And God is a God of life. In Matthew 22, verse 32, it says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead but of the living. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, we know at the end, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life, not dead, but the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Those who weren't found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. God is a God of life. He is pro-life. What we are seeing is the power of God, and we see that God is an omnipotent being. And a lot of, there's a lot of critics out there about this, about this one fact. How can it be that God brought something out of nothing? And how can it be that God brought vegetation before there was the sun? Because as you can see, the next day is when the sun was created and when the stars were, were created. You see, a lot of times when we talk about the six days of creation, a lot of people will say that it's a fairy tale. But how can it be a fairy tale if it tells you that you are going to soon meet the maker, if you're going to meet the author of this so-called fairy tale? And every person will. Another thing they try to tell you sometimes is that, oh, this is not talking about days. This is talking about ages of time. Maybe each day was representing a billion years or something like that. Well, as I had already said, if sun came after when the vegetation was created, that means your vegetation had to survive at least a billion years until, it, until the sun showed up. It puts it out of, it blows it out of the water, so to speak. So you can confidently, confidently believe that indeed, Every one of these six days, every single day was a 24-hour day that God created. And you know that on this day, God created vegetation. You see in Colossians 1:16 and 17, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist in Genesis 1, 11 and 12 when we read these verses I can't help but make a comparison because though it's speaking about these literal vegetations the grass the herb and the trees bearing fruit I see it seems to be also making a comparison with us human beings I feel like we are all placed in three different categories today everyone in this world is placed in three different categories the grass the herb, and the fruit trees. The seed is not noticeable in the grass, but then it is noticeable in the herbs, and sometimes we can put the spices in there too. But then you can see the fruit in the trees. I believe that the grass, the herb, and the fruit trees represent each type of person or man that walks this earth. So let's take a look at these plants. Plant number one is grass, if you're a note taker, grass. Grass or people may be some of the most common things you'll see today. As soon as you walk out, you'll probably see people. In fact, if you open your eyes and take a look right now, there's people around you. <laughs> We're the most common things on this earth, all right? But what astonishes me, and as I had already talked about it, this vegetation and the man, God talks about way more than he talks about stars stars and he talks about the sun. You see, we only have one sun, and we only have these unique stars that are around us. And according to science, if we were to lose one of these stars, it would impact us in a giant way. Yet, if you take a look at your Bible, the whole thing is a love story towards you from God. In Isaiah 40, verse seven, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Grass is comparable to the common man, to the natural man. The natural man is someone who we would call not a Christian. The fact of the matter is God still created them. Though grass is very common, it is still much needed in this world. Every single person is still much needed in this world. They're still part of this system, and we often take them for granted. Grass, we take it for granted, and the people around us, we still take them for granted. But the thing is, we all enter this world the same way, and we all leave this world the same way, through birth and death. Let's all turn to Job chapter one, verse 21. Job chapter one, verse 21. This is Job talking, and he says, and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 3.20, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. And in order to soften the blow from this reality, Humankind has come up with all kinds of ways to soften this blow that we call death. Some of us, or many of us, may have turned to materialism. And I I had pulled out some articles on it. Materialism is very fascinating because research shows that the more that people watch television, the more materialistic their values are. I had no clue that television was actually related with materialism. But that's probably because both the shows and the ads send messages suggesting that happy, successful people are wealthy, have nice things, and are beautiful and popular. One has to remember that in the US at least, the vast majority of media are owned by a few for-profit corporations that make money by selling advertising. And the purpose of advertising is to sell products. Makes sense, but TV is probably our biggest symbol of materialism that we own. But since we're now in the 21st century and we're almost two decades into our 21st century, we all have a phone, right? It's our TV that we can take anywhere we want. And it always matters if it's HD or if it's 4K, if it's Netflix or if it's cable it matters (laughs) it's like where have you been if you don't have these things as of 2010 the cell phone has become a symbol of true prestige i have to have the latest and greatest of phones do you have the latest and latest piece of technology someone who owns a tv is likely to have a good income someone who must have the newest piece of cell phone hardware is likely to need that to be more prestigious among their peers. Another thing we try to soften the blow is with glory. One of the things, one, another study that was surveying 1,000 children asked from ages six to 17, the out of the thousands of children or out of the thousand children that they had surveyed, three out of four would prefer to be a YouTuber or a vlogger over traditionally coveted career paths, such as a doctor, an athlete, or a lawyer. (laughs) Children's preferences for pursuing a career as a video content creator coincides with how Generation Z and millennial demographics view YouTubers. In a Google case study, these demographics identify with YouTubers more closely than their friends I hope this is not true, guys. (laughs) These demographics, yeah, believe that YouTubers are changing the world and seek out YouTubers' advice when it comes to purchases. So apparently, the generation we are in also consider the glory of being a YouTuber. But another thing they tend to soften the blow with is in the way they believe in things this is what we would fall what would fall under philosophy often this word is a scary word for us but people become afraid of philosophy what it basically means is what and why things are done a certain way our modern day thinking is question everything who here likes abstract art abstract art Probably the most criticized movement of our generation, though. And there's a reason why. But this type of art portrays the philosophy of our generation. We have all come to a point in our lives where we wanted to make a difference in life, but didn't know how. The thinking of today's generation stems from that fact. Looking through all of these, materialism, through the glory and through the philosophy where we try to soften the blow of the fact that we're all going to die in the end. The ultimatum is that we have figured out. They realize that they are just like everyone else, lost. We humans just like grass seek after things only to see it all go away in the end. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Nothing on this earth we get to take into the afterlife. So if this is such a well-known fact, why is it that we're trying to collect so many toys before we exit the daycare? Why is it that so many of us are seeking after these things that are so temporal? when they won't last after this life. What is the purpose of life if we all end the same anyway? Let's take a look at plant number two, the herb. Let's all turn back to Genesis chapter, 11, uh, chapter one. In verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. Herbs are useful. They tend to be helpful to others as well. Most essential oils, any of you smell or like to smell essential oils? I, I used to have essential oils, I gave it to Danielle. But essential oils are great, but I've also noticed they're even better when you put them together with something else. Psalm 37, verse 2, you don't have to turn there, but for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So the grass withers and so does the herb. These are like the people that we see every day. They help us a lot. They come to church as well. They constantly give a sense of interest. Some of our teachers at school were like these. They were like herbs. They helped us out. They helped us go through life and to get to some place. They helped us along the way. I think that the herb is the person who has seeds, and they have seeds that that they're willing to leave behind. They're willing to leave behind some kind of a legacy. But while the grass is the person that is striving for greatness, the herb has reached a certain height and has decided to stop. Their seed is there to take their place. Herbs are often paired with the spices, as I had said. And there was a man, he was known as the king of France. Uh, Any of you have heard of Charlemagne? Charlemagne, all right. He's dubbed by historians as the king of, or they say the father of Europe. And he once asked his teacher when he was young, what is herbs? To which his teacher replied, the friend of physicians and the praise of cooks. He causeth, in Psalm 104, uh, verse 14, he causeth the grass to grow for the cattle. This is talking about God. An herb for the service of men, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. The herb and the grass still fall under the same category, though. Under a similar category, just as grass. Now, uh, my parents, every summer, My parents, uh, they share this hobby where they like to uh, go into the backyard and grow things. Don't worry, it's it's good edible stuff, okay? (laughs) Tomatoes, eggplants, sometimes kale, cauliflower. And one of the things that they never actually want to grow, but it just happens to always be there, is spearmint. Spearmint, for some reason, no matter how much they try to even get rid of it, it just keeps growing back more and more and more and more. And they don't have to do anything about this. My parents didn't even plant them. They just grow all on their own. But it does does its own thing. Like grass, it just grows. If we don't cut it, it will just spread everywhere. But in the end, the man that takes the herbs cannot fully use it. Herbs are used as things to support others. It's used to complement something else. Just like grass, just like herbs, they all wither away, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And still we are left with that same question, what is the purpose of life then? If these two represent how man lives, then what is the purpose of life? If they are all gonna get cut down, what is the purpose? Plant number three, tree yielding fruit. This is the part you've been waiting for. We who have the gospel need to bear fruit. It is as simple as that. Genesis 1.12, I know you're there. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself and after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God had a specific purpose in mind for why he created all of these, all three of these, and they, he saw that it was good. But see, the thing is, as a brand new tree, we bear fruit. And the tree and the fruit is delicious and beautiful in the sight of our master, but after some time, the fruit ages. Every single one of us who have accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we are trees now. We are trees that have been grafted to another tree. We, are, we were taken and then we were placed onto Jesus Christ so that we can start bearing fruit. Purposes has now been taken away, your life has now been given purpose. God took you and gave you a purpose. If he had saved you to just take you to heaven, then why are you still here? Because your purpose is to bear fruit. You are a tree that bears fruit with seed, the gospel seeds. You see, the seed didn't come on its own. God put it there. Ephesians 2, 8. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God placed it there. Out of nothing, he put something in you. The new creation. So, how are you doing with sharing the gospel? Because now you have fruit. It's time to give it away. Because if you keep and hold on to this fruit, you're going to wither and you're going to faint. I know we have been talking a lot about these plants, but we also have been talking about life. And I just thought, you know, the giving part. We are to give life. That's what giving the fruit is, giving those seeds out. And there is a very similar sense of giving life and when you look at giving blood. And I looked into some more articles, because I love articles, and what I stumbled onto was there are three myths that actually follow after donating blood. Here are the three myths that follow that people actually think of. Myth number one, you don't need me. You have plenty of donors. The fact is, patients need you. Only about 5% of the eligible population takes the time to donate blood. Blood cannot be manufactured in a laboratory. The only source for this life-saving resource is a volunteer blood donor. If you were to take that myth and apply it to soul winning, patients need you. The world still needs you. Myth number two, I don't have time to donate blood. Fact, donating blood only takes approximately an hour of your time. The majority of that time is spent filling out a medical questionnaire and checking vital signs. The actual donation process takes about 10 minutes. Interesting how it sounds a lot like Soul Winners University. Myth number three, I can't give blood because I'm afraid of needles. Pastor Tim. <laughs> I mean, most people do feel a bit nervousness about blood donation. Most also say after, do, after their donation that they're sorry they waited so long. Blood donation is a momentary discomfort for, a don- for the donor that can provide a lifetime of a difference for the patient. The world still needs you That's why God has left you on this earth Because if you're saved And your purpose was done God would have taken you Isaac Watts penned these words in one of the hymns Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to gain the prize and sailed on bloody seas? We have heroes that have come before us who've bothered to try and bear souls, try and bear fruit for Christ. And they've gone to different places. Hudson Taylor, while in England, he learned to pray so that God would move people. He didn't know the language in China, so what he figured out was God does so he can move someone to teach him Chinese and so he became the missionary that we know him today William Carey stood up when other Bapt- other Baptists would not while others were calvinistic about what God would do with the heathen they felt God would choose whenever he went uh, whenever he wanted to send a missionary to reach the heathen that men did not have to interfere, but Carey decided the heathen need to be reached. Today, we know him as the father of modern day missions. Henry Allen, maybe he's not a very common name, maybe it's a name that you've never heard of, but Henry Allen who spoke with a burning heart for souls that if the Puritans and the Episcopals didn't do anything, Canada will be lost. The need was to bear fruit for Christ in the uttermost parts of Canada. And so God used the man to begin a revival that started in Nova Scotia, that swept from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Eric Lund, anyone heard of his name? Yeah. Swedish missionary whose interest was in engineering. While in Barcelona, he pursued engineering while visiting the Spanish missions. In 1898, the Spanish-American War was coming to a close. Eric Lund started to feel burdened for a country that was needing the gospel, a country so war-torn by the two countries that had no regard to what happened to this indigenous people. This country owes it to Eric Lund today for having a burden to bear fruit for Christ. Many here today in this room owe it to Eric Lund who felt the need to bear fruit in the islands of the Philippines. I want to say this, Lund could have decided to go on his own way and decide, you know, I'm just gonna pursue engineering. But he decided, no, I'm gonna bear fruit in a different country where people are lost and are being sent to hell. History would be different if Lund had changed course and decided to be like the grass and the herbs. Instead, he decided to be the most fruitful tree that he can be, that God would use him. In Psalm 1:3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his, do- in his season. <clears throat> his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper you see the trees leaves when it bears fruit it will not wither the herb will and the grass will but the tree will not but only if it bears fruit we are trees that are we that yield fruit but we need to put it out we need to put out this fruit we call this soul winning If we don't yield more fruit, we will start to wither away. God has a way of dealing with unfruitful Christians, and it isn't pretty. Christianity, in a nutshell, or Christianity as it's known, is Christianity is know Christ and make him known. Simple as that. Once you know Christ, go and make him known now. Perhaps you are here today and nothing made any sense to you, <laughs> and it's possible that I'm a horrible communicator, but it is also possible that perhaps you've never had a divine interpreter to make all these things make sense. God had already promised that you will bring fruit if you have this divine interpreter. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that win its souls is wise. I urge you today to do some soul winning, as simple as it is, Soul Winners University 201 is there to help you out. Let's not be afraid of the seed that is in us.